and this is the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. We're an actual play podcast that discusses and plays new one-shot role-playing games every other week. We play them, then we review them, and occasionally we get the game's writer come on for an interview about their game. My name is Austin, and this is the rest of the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. We're here to wrap up our season arc of Og, the Caveman RPG, made by, I believe it was Robin D. Laws. And in this episode, it'll be just a discussion between all of us, Brad, Becky, Travis, and myself, as we discuss our time playing Og, the Caveman role-playing game, our thoughts about it, what we really liked about it, what questions we had about it, and perhaps what we would like to do in the future of playing, if we ever return to playing this role-playing game. So to those who've uh, heard us play this before, great. If not, that's totally fine too. We basically just played uh, this role-playing game where you play as cavemen during the age of the dinosaur. And depending on what your GM wants you to do, you have a bunch of different missions you can do. And in this arc that we did, we just played three different cavemen going around trying to kill dinosaurs and trying to make the first ever crustaceous park. So guys, how was your experience playing the game? I think the idea is simple enough and like it's it's one of those games that we like that you can just pick up and play and you can do it in one session there's like no long rules or anything um i thought overall it was super enjoyable i liked it i liked it quite a bit um we've played this before i had more fun with it this time i think that um to really get the most out of it you need to use the ingenuity that cave people were required to have like with such few words you really have to think about which words you take how you use them um i think playing this again i would like it even more makes sense uh yeah that's my biggest thing i love this game don't get me wrong i just think this is more of a campaign like you build up experience over time i don't know if this is so much a one shot even though it was fun like this one shot one time like adventure that we went on was great I think had we expanded on it and actually gone into depth as to how we got the creatures and actually built up this crustacean park, I think it would have been a little bit more enjoyable. But it was overall great. Yeah, because that's, I guess, a question I would have for you guys is how you guys see this role-playing game. Because for me, it's a weird blend of falling between a larger-scale role-playing game and a one-shot role-playing game. I prefer to play this as a one-shot role-playing game. It falls into the tropes of how I like these one-shot role-playing games or what we call beer and pretzel RPGs of having very simple rules, easy to pick up. Character creation isn't like Dungeons & Dragons or other role-playing games that takes a half hour or longer. And We'll jump into character creation soon. It's easy to pick up and play. Except, unlike some RPGs, um, some of Grant Howlett's RPGs are like one page or so. Some of the games we play are between one and like four pages pages this was a 60 page pdf a bunch of it was to be fair just stats for different dinosaurs and monsters during that time period the rules itself isn't super long but the rules and kind of set up the world was probably around 20 pages or so so it kind of falls in this weird mixture of is it just a silly game you can just pick up and play or is it something you can play over i don't know a couple sessions but it sounds like you guys we played it once before we played it on this podcast you guys wouldn't mind playing again and further establishing these cavemen in in our campaign they're creating like a drastic park ripoff uh 
so this is just personal opinion, is like a mini campaign. Like, not the full-on, like, D&D yeah. takes months. Yeah, I think this not. would be more, if we went a little bit more in-depth than what we did, but still kept it relatively short. So, like, maybe, like, a three to five sessions? Yeah, I'd say of? five sessions max. Makes sense, yeah. I can agree with that. Yeah, I, I think having a few sessions or even just the single session, um, I... I think I would enjoy playing it more every time I play it, but I do think that it is a good one-shot game. So I agree. I think it, it can be a really good one-shot game, and I think now that we've played it twice, we kind of understand the limits of our characters because there are limits to being a caveman. Huge who can limits. Say, or a <laughs> cavewoman who can say four words and has six skills, or three skills for you guys because you guys weren't the learned. I was. So I think... If we, like, understanding the boundaries of what we can do, we'll have a better experience. Because, like, we couldn't beat up a beaver. It was a giant beaver. It was a giant beaver, to be fair. (laughs) But we still couldn't harm it. We didn't, I don't think we ever hit it. No. We just made it really uncomfortable. And after that, you guys were like, let's fight the giant crocodile <laughs> that's 40 feet long. Well, Becky, Becky and I fell we into the fell pond. We fell into it. We and we failed our checks to get out. So. And they tried riding it. So I was like, you know what? If they're going to ride it, I'm going to fight it. That's fair. I don't want my cave, my cave brethren to die. It is what a cave person would do. Yes. Yeah. Run I'll, away I'll just, from the giant beaver, fight the giant crocodile. I'll, I'll annoy it. I won't fight it. I'll annoy the shit out of it. That's fair. I, I really do think that we got into a position where fighting it was the only thing we could do. But uh, something I like about this game is that you do have to kind of approach it like a cave person. How would a cave person beat the T-Rex? Well, they probably would run away from the T-Rex. So That's something kind of interesting is that you're a cave person and most things around you can eat you or will eat you. And only by uh, teaming up together can you guys beat it. And there is... While this game's combat is simple enough, you roll just for combat and for just any skill, you roll a single dice, a five or a six succeeds, unless you're skilled in it, then a three, four, five, and six, six succeeds. With combat, it's interesting because you could just hit things, just punch them right in the face. All you just say is, I hit it, you roll a dice, you see what happens. But there is a bunch of different attacks. So to go off what you guys were saying about doing this in a mini campaign, even though I like games like this, they can just pick up and play easily enough for one shot. I think it was better for you guys playing it this time because the first time you guys played it, you guys didn't really use any of the special attacks. Use it more this time because you got to learn about them a little bit more because there is a bunch of them. So remembering them all would take a while. So probably the more times you guys play, maybe perhaps your caveman would be better at combat over time. Which is why I'm saying like a kind of mini campaign. Like, you learn over time, but as a caveman does. Like, when a caveman wakes up in the morning, he doesn't know what he can do. (laughs) He learns. He's like, okay, I'm going to punch this. That didn't work. I'm going to hit it with a stick. That works a little bit better. HBO presents Og the Caveman, the miniseries. The miniseries. How we got primal. How we got primal. (laughs) Anyway. But no, so it's like that whole thing. It's like you're learning with your caveman, which is why... Again, personal opinion, I think this would work as a five-part miniseries. Mm. And this doesn't have to be all the time. Like, this could be you do one part in the middle of whatever your big RPG, uh, Deadlands, uh, Dungeons Dragons, whatever. And then you do a session of this when you're bored. And then later on, three, four months later, you're like, okay, I want to do another session to this because, you know, just want to have some fun. 
it just returned back to the same world, the same characters. So let's go into the game itself and about characters of how they're built, how long they took, or how easy or hard was it to make your characters. So I guess we're going to be talking about the technical part of it, of what you had to do to build your character. But I guess let's also talk about like how you try to envision making a character in this world where you're just... You don't have any special race or class. Well, I guess you did pick from yeah. some classes. Uh, Becky was the learned caveman. Travis was the banging caveman. And what were you, Brad? The grunting caveman. Yep. So there was some classes. But I guess let's talk about um, character creation. I didn't make a character myself. But it was kind of interesting just seeing you guys go over it. The most interesting aspect of Og's character sheets is the large sec section they have about choosing what words you know because you roll a dice and depending on what you roll you know certain words and you guys can just pick from the list or create your own uh, words so it is kind of interesting to see you guys kind of dive in and choose the limitations of what you guys know and going back what would you guys do differently if at all with creating your characters or choosing the words for your characters um so i thought character creation in itself mechanically is super simple but it is complicated in the way that like you have to figure out what words you want and what skills you want to take which i mean nice it's nice enough that like in the game you can decide your skills as you're going which i think we all used that but it was tricky because i'm supposed to be the learned caveman but i rolled like trash and i learned four words so picking the words was really hard for me, because I was like, how am I going to communicate with these two with four words? Mm. But I kind of like that that mechanic that yeah. limits us as players. Um, like, we've played other RPGs where you've been limited in your communication with your team. And I like that because I think it makes us think more creatively. That's true, yeah, because you have a limit of what you can say to each other, so you guys kind of have to work together to figure out what the hell's going on. Exactly. What you guys should do or can do. The only thing that I think was a problem is that we, all of us took pretty much like the same words. There were only <laughs> yes. one or two words that we each had that nobody else had. Like Becky, the only word Becky knew that I don't think anybody else knew was fire. Um... The only because, word that I think tra the only words that Travis knew that nobody else knew were food and hairy, and then I knew I guess I did know a few more. I knew shiny go, um, and I think I think those are the only two words I knew that nobody else. Oh no, Becky knew, knew go, go, so I only knew shiny. So perhaps going back, if and you guys new. created new characters, probably what would be best if you guys worked together to. You know, make characters that had a variety of words you guys yeah. could actually say instead of the same words. But again, that's also the challenge because you're you're acting like a caveman and cavemans communicate. They're probably going to know the same words. That's, that's true. true. That's true. Yeah, you guys probably all would know things, dick, yeah. boom, or whatever. I mean, the learned one was should or <laughs> probably would know more or different ones. But other than that, like all the other relatively stupid, let's say cavemen, would know the same words because they're communicating fire rock hungry whatever um so that was kind of nice the only thing i wish to an extent is like over time maybe you could learn an extra word like over time you're like okay i've i've created a new word it's fire if, if you didn't know that beforehand sure yeah so just going 
off what I remember from reading the book, there isn't a lot from what I remember about expand these characters, leveling up. There might be, but it just is off what I remember. But once again, this game isn't meant to be a long um, campaign sort of role-playing game. But you're probably right that unless the game already says so, it would be kind of cool if you guys learned maybe one more word you level up at the end of the or night, which skill. is be learning one more word. Yeah, or a new or skill. Or skill, yes. So I guess we talked a little bit about words. You roll a dice. I think it's like a D6 plus 2 or D6 plus 4 for the smart caveman, and then you choose those words. If you want, you can make up your own word, be able to substitute two words for that one word that you make up. I guess let's talk about what I think is a very interesting mechanic Instead of D&D, where you choose your skills right from the beginning, those abilities. are the skills you have. Skills, abilities. In this, you have abilities that kind of work like skills, but there's an interesting mechanic about how they work. So I want you guys to talk about that in your opinion on how it works. I like that you can pick up an ability as we're going because I think that really works for us as a team because like one of us can be like, oh, I'll take build and then the next person, the next time we need something, somebody else can take the skill. So I think it, it works really well that like you can pick as you go because I mean, I mean, we could have take, taken jump at the beginning, like think, oh, jump will be a skill we need. And we never needed anything like that. No, you know? not really. I, I but, really like that because it feels like how a group of cave people would discover talents at skills <laughs> because like, okay, what if we come to a river and uh there's no way across and none of us know that we can swim so one person is just like oh i'll try this and they try swimming across the river and they find out oh yeah i can swim or oh shit no i can't swim (laughs) help me (laughs) which going off that in this when you roll d6 if you roll one you forget how to do something the caveman basically just freezes like a deer looking to the headlights and it's basically the critical fail of this um, where you just roll one and you just forget how to do something in combat it might mean you just forget in your next turn or otherwise it's just kind of like a big oof moment where you just screw up badly yeah, you forget how to swim brad forgot how to run away that <laughs> yeah. happens too and that's one of the skills you guys know automatically because yeah. all cavemen know how to run away except for you guys except for us well, well I, I don't think we forgot i think we we're just paralyzed with fear maybe pooping ourselves just a little bit try to um, did you enjoy how the abilities were set up? Or? Yeah, no, it's I do. Unique. Yeah, it's it's unique. I like it. Is where you can kind of learn it over time. Again, it's a whole thing. I do wish, like, if you have the level up ability or well, a level up like mechanic, that you could learn a new skill after sure. this. But like the fact that you can kind of choose on the fly, like what skills you know. You're so you're like, okay, I just happen to know how to build a house when you need to build a house is kind of useful to an extent but also at the same time like we were never always like right next to each other so even though i knew how to build a a shelter let's just say not a house but a shelter and these two were off fighting an alligator i'd be like oh i can build a shelter, take a nap you know but these Mm -hmm. two are off like oh i can't run away i'm gonna get eaten yeah so it's it's convenient and inconvenient at the same time uh Jumping in on that, I'd also say this might be a game where it would be helpful to have a few extra character sheets prepared 
Um, it seems like it would be really easy to die in this game. Yeah. So it might be nice to say, like, oh, Brad, your character Rocco died here, play um, um, some other generic caveman name. Yeah. So, like, having each person have a backup character for should the event happen where they forget how to run away. Yeah, so this game could definitely be, depending on the GM and how they run it, it could definitely be run as kind of like a goblin quest um, scenario where... Or um, what's that other role-playing game you have in the book garden, Brad? Paranoia. Paranoia, yeah. Paranoia, where it's a game where you're expected to lose characters as you go. It's just how the game works. Um, in this one, you guys didn't die either due to just luck or just me being a little bit nice. But definitely if I was a harsher DM or maybe I threw more at you guys or just more bad rules happened, which I don't know if you could roll worse than how you guys rolled last time. Yeah, you can always <laughs> roll worse, Austin. That's true. You can get straight ones across the board. It could have been a total tar- uh, a party kill. We forget how to do everything. Yeah, but I feel like unlike the Ninja Dragons, you wouldn't have been upset if you lost your characters in this. No. I mean, like, with how easy it is to build the new one, no. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I do agree with Brad, like, having an extra one on hand, at least one more, like, per person. So had we had six characters, should the event happen where we forget how to run away. Sure. I mean, you just get killed off. Yeah. And I also like how there's a bunch of abilities, but there's exclusive abilities too i don't know if you guys thought that was annoying or not but there's around uh seven exclusive abilities in the game that you can't even roll for if you don't have that skill every other ability you can try there's only a one to three chance you will succeed if you don't have the skill but with exclusive abilities you can't even try someone has to have that ability to even attempt to do it those abilities are like build or fire swim throw and learning about weber was that an annoying feature or does that make sense within the world and making it not too easy with the ability uh with the mechanic where you can learn on the fly i think it makes it a lot easier mm. but like if we didn't have that mechanic i think it would make it much more challenging definitely I yeah. Agree, yeah. yeah i would agree yeah, because you would get stuck in a situation. It's like you need to build. You guys look around and be like, uh, guys, who took the build? Yeah. You're like, ah, I, I chose first and I chose swim over build. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked the draw ability. I used that a lot. And that you actually draw something and show it to your team. I thought that was kind of a cool little mechanic in there. Which, like as cavemen's do, they draw, well, hopefully. Yeah. And, of course, that she was the learned one, so that makes more sense for her character that she has the draw ability and she shows what she wants, and hopefully we do it or can kind of figure it out. The drawings were beautiful, Travis. Sure. <laughs> they so were stick figures. Creating characters isn't hey, stick too figures difficult. <laughs> uh, what, it took, like, you guys probably, like, five to ten minutes just to envision and put everything down on paper. It kind of depends on how much you care about your character. Like, I literally just came up with the name Unga Bungaloo on the fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. after I created the character. I'm like, he needs a name. Unga Bungaloo. I always think naming things is the hardest part of any role-playing game. It's true, yeah. Um, so, character creation, pretty simple. Doesn't take too long. And it kind of sets everything up for you, depending on your class. The stats kind of fill itself out. If you're a Bing caveman, your attack goes up a little bit. If you're a tough caveman, your hit points go up a little bit. Speed uh, goes up if you're a fast caveman. If you're smart, you know more words, exactly. hopefully. Well, I was learned, so I knew more skills. Oh, skills, not words, skills. Yeah. 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 Smart is words, learned is skills. Okay. 
except Brad had the one unique character, which is the grunting caveman, which is kind of the funny character that you can kind of turn luck for you or sometimes against you. Hey, it worked out pretty good for me. Yeah, yeah you like, like, I mean, jet you... skied across the lake off off of the giant beaver's head on a flat rock. Yeah, it was. He did, but he also forgot how to run away. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, luck's not always in your favor, which is a kind of the good thing about that character. That's true. So besides character creation. The game itself, was the rules simple enough? Were you guys able to jump in the game easily enough? Or was there still room that you needed to learn or improve on yourself to learn the game and perform the best you could or your caveman could with some luck? I think the rules were simple enough. Like, it's honestly like, do a thing, roll the dice. And this time, I actually, when we were going over it before we started recording, you were going over all the fight stuff. Yep. I wrote it down on my paper, so I had it right here, so I could like look through it while we were going over when we were in a fight, and I thought that was probably better this time around instead of just trying to remember what to do, just having a physical copy of what we could do in front of me helped me um, come up with things to do, you know, like try to give a purple nurple to a giant beaver. Yes, that was fun, which you guys failed. <laughs> which we failed. Which we kind of but had we did. succeeded, that would have been awesome. That would have been pretty awesome, yes. <laughs> what other games have we played, or is this totally different than any of our role-playing game that we've played so far? Have you played anything like it? Of course, you're not going to find something that's identical to it, yeah. but anything close in mechanics or how the humor or tone of the game is. Character building, I will say, it's in its own unique category. Sure. But as far as mechanics, it's kind of like Goblin Quest. It's like you figure it out. What can you do? Yeah. Um, and other games like Goblin Quest, which we've played. Uh, it's just like, yeah, you figure it out over time. Uh, you, you ask the DM something and they're like, yes or no. Or maybe. And you try it and you're <laughs> like, okay, I succeed this time. Maybe not the next time. That I kind of like. But as far as character building, it's in its own unique game set. Uh, Goblin Quest, that's uh, Grant Howlett? Yeah, this feels like a Grant Hallett game. We've played three or four other of his games. And um, this feels like it could fit right in. Like, every Grant Hallett game has that, like, one theme. Like, in Goblin Quest, or not theme, but maybe mechanic. I don't know. Like, a one concept, I guess. Like, Goblin Quest has that you have the family of goblins that you jump right in after everyone dies. And mechanically, it's very simple. Um, there's Honey Heist and Havoc Brigade that we've also played on this podcast. And those have their own concepts. Like, Honey Heist has the concept of, like, bear or criminal and, like, mm. going back and forth in the spectrum. And, again, it's very mechanically simple. This game is just as mechanically simple as those. But the concept of this is, like, the words and the abilities. So, learning or, or things like that. So, it really feels like this could be one of his games. Yeah, honestly, it does. The only... Thing if he went would, more in depth on a game, it went yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a larger rule book. It goes into it more. Honey Heist is just one single page. Goblin Quest did get its own little mini book, but yeah, this game goes into especially stats of monsters uh, much more. Um, both games are very good in their own right, though. Of course, this this is like the ultimate combination of Honey Heist and D and D. Yeah, it, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> because you're, you're about stupid. as smart as a bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you stupid simplify D&D, this is it. Fair enough. I also thought it was kind of Goblin Quest-esque in the fact that we were these soft, squishy little cave people mm. that 
everything's stronger. Like everything is stronger you. than us, and we're just like even a beaver trying to do stupid things, you know? Because like goblins are always trying to do stupid things, and us cave people were trying to set up basically Jurassic Park. Yeah, but again, that was our choice, like how we did things, how we skateboarded across the lake. Yeah, I <laughs> like, mean that is partly us, like being like, let's do, let's do stupid. Let's shit. try it. If it works, <laughs> it's awesome. If it doesn't, we tried. Yeah. So, what questions do you have about this game? Kind of like just questions about it in general that maybe we can talk about, or kind of like questions if we were interviewing the game's writer, would you have about it? So, for me, my question as a DM would be why are there so many abilities there's like there's i think 15 or so attacks and there's 20 is there really 20 attacks yeah. wow so there's a lot oh, attacks i'm sorry not, um, attacks. not abilities Abi uh, yeah. yeah abilities so there's 20 different or 15 or so different attacks opportunities to strike becky talked about how she could have gave a beaver a purple nurple <laughs> there's disarm cower chest bump grab lure and these all do different things and they make combat more interesting than if you just roll the dice to try hit it and then if you hit it you do one damage if you don't you of course you don't do anything my only question would be kind of and i'm this kind of question to you guys sort of is having all those abilities and it worked much better this time because brad and becky atras was kind of able to go off them you guys wrote down everything but it was at the beginning a lot to write down it almost seems like it's too much. I don't know if that's something intentional or maybe not. It, it does spice up combat more, but it does seem like a lot to learn. And maybe this goes more to what Travis is saying, that this game works better maybe learning over time so you can kind of master. You don't need a list anymore. You remember all the different abilities and what they do. Uh, I will agree with you. Writing it down, because I think I used your cheat sheet that you had yep. personally. Um, I think writing it down would help. But again, that's something, again, DM to DM. Do you want your characters to learn over time, or do you just want them to know they can give a beaver a purple nurple? <laughs> or do you want them to be like, I'm going to try to give the beaver a purple nurple, and if it works, oh well. If it doesn't, well, you know, shit happens. Mm. You just make the beaver uncomfortable. Yeah, which we did. <laughs> so it's like, it's a whole thing. It's it's up to the DM, but at the same time, it's, it's a cool mechanic to implement, like to imply that it could happen. I think it is interesting that there's so many different attacks. Um... I feel like they could be boiled down into like four or five different types of action, but mm. I do like the uniqueness of each one. Like, I feel like some of them kind of do things that are somewhat similar. Um, so like you could have one base attack and say I'm punching it or um, I am doing an opportunistic strike or reckless swipe or things like that. And like the way you describe it, maybe it has a modifier or something. I don't know. But it does seem like a lot to remember, but I also think that with the fact that you don't really level up, it's good to have that variety. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, do you not want to say on record that you gave a beaver a purple nurple? Yeah, I enjoyed it <laughs> when I did my skull thickness t demo and I punched a hole through its, <laughs> its beaver dam. That poor beaver. Yeah. So we raided its hope by punching a hole through the roof. With your head. With yep. your head. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, it's like that whole thing. You get more... Uh, it's more flamboyant. More like you can say... Uh, things that are interesting but maybe not so much the experience like overall and i think it it lends to the the sense of humor of the game like 
just the skull thickness test and the purple nurple. Yes, and, a lot of these are kind of like yeah. dumb, silly things. They help your characters, but they're a little silly, but that kind of just adds to the theme of the game. Whatever questions do you guys have about the game? Um, I have one question that's kind of multifaceted. Um, the first part is, why is combat so lopsided? When you fight almost anything, you feel, or I felt like we were at a huge disadvantage. Um, I think I know the answer to that, but the other aspects of my question are, um, is there meant to be more of like human on human combat? Because I feel like that would be less of a disadvantage. Sure. And, um, cause it just comes down to how your GM runs it. I ran it with no human on human attacks, but you guys pretty much only went up against dinosaurs and large creatures that were bigger than you who had, uh, around or most likely they Pain. had more hit points and they did more attacks and had more damage we fought a dead fish <laughs> that's true oh and the uh the third facet of my question is uh because i'd asked why is combat so lopsided my third the third part of that is are you really meant to fight those larger creatures mm, exactly it's just more of a survival game using combat as a last resort which is totally fine there's plenty of good horror survival games and that's what this could very be i force you guys to do more combat to capture these creatures and put in put them in a jurassic park like scenario and of course then you guys had a pet alligator a dead fish of like a broken seagull or something no no, no we had a megalodon yeah we caught the megalodon kind of kind of he ate a person. <laughs> to go off what Brad was saying, because Brad and I have discussed this before, uh, you were saying that, well, one, maybe you aren't supposed to be fighting these creatures, especially like a T-Rex, you should not fight them, or work together as cave people to come up with the best way to ambush to kill these things like a cave person would at that point, which I think is a good thing. In Dungeons & Dragons, almost always, unless a DM really wants to make a combat unfair, Anything you go up against, you're supposed to be able to kill. Even if it is actual dinosaurs. There's actual dinosaur stats in the game, T-Rexes, and you can fairly easy enough, unless they kind of rig it against you, kill those creatures. And this, T-Rex is going to kill you, unless you find some genius way to take it down. But to go off against what you said, is that maybe you aren't supposed to fight it, you know, fight these things. It's more of a survival if it's supposed to be like that, then why is there 15 different kinds of attacks? I was going to ask the same thing. <laughs> well, I mean, again, would you give a T-Rex a purple nurple? That's kind of what lend, what leads me to believe you're maybe fighting other tribes of cave people quite often. Or That's also, true. That's a, true. Again, a giant beaver. Because a giant beaver, you'd give a purple nurple over a T-Rex because yeah. omnivore versus carnivore. And also it's a lot bigger, but yeah. Um, we did run into another tribe of humanoids, and I kind of messed that up, so we got the heck out of there as fast as we could but i could see more of these abilities the language um limitations uh the different types of attacks really coming into play in regards to the other tribe so what in the future if we return to this game and play it or for people that play it the first time and might want to play it again what kind of adventures could you see your caveman go on or maybe what kind of variety of things you could play in this game. Not with just me as your DM, but maybe a different DM who has a different way of playing the game. Like, how, like, what kinds of things could you guys do in this world? How open is it? Like, you're probably not going to have, like, a adventure where a UFO crashes down and you guys are up against the aliens. Or maybe that could Why be. That would be really fun. That would be really fun. 
Again, that's the whole thing. That's up to the DM. The adventure is always up to the DM. But, like, with how vague this is, the DM could create anything. We could fight aliens. We could fight a T-Rex. We could fight a giant beaver. It doesn't matter so much. It's like we're probably going to be outmatched no matter what it is. Whether it's aliens, a beaver, or T-Rex. We're probably not going to win in that fight. But we can try. Or we can run away. Austin, next time we play, I want to play an entire campaign where we advance our cave people from the stone through the stone age to the bronze age huh that could be interesting <laughs> with the same cave people well obviously they're descendants like yeah. we'll probably have to have like new cave people like i think every Bunga session Bungalow will be like a generation <laughs> yeah professor og the second professor og the second rocco the 15th <laughs> exactly because they keep dying off it would be interesting too. like i mean i guess we would have to make our own mechanic of like advancing as as a society yeah, we have to. Yeah. like so professor og the second would know all my abilities plus one yeah because he would pass down what he learned to next generation yeah that could be interesting and fun way to play the next session shit you jump ahead in time and play the descendant who knows a little bit more and that's the leveling up ability because maybe cavemen are just so worthless and useless they those particular cavemen can't level up some, uh, sorry, Travis, what were you going to say? So this is going to bring me to my question of this game. Why is there no leveling up ability? Mm. There could be. It's, I didn't read this whole document from top to bottom because it is 60 pages. Right. But I don't remember there being a level up feature from what I remember. With the exception of Austin being lazy, <laughs> why is there no leveling up ability? In what, like, so, because, I mean, this character sheet has a set number of words. And, yeah, we can create one, but we have to sacrifice two, as you said before. Uh, why is there not a whole selection of words that we could potentially learn in the future? Abilities that we could learn in the future? Fighting abilities that we could somehow learn in the future, even though I think there's plenty of fighting abilities with the exception of yeah. being able to use tools. Mm, that's fair. I think one that kind of would lead into like my question, and I think my question is more a subject of curiosity. Like, why these particular words? Like... Mm. <laughs> Versimilitude? <laughs> yeah, I think that's more of a That's joke. like a funny one. Yeah, it's a funny one. But, I mean, you, me, Harry, Bang. I think it comes down to something that's good for this game in that you could have very much had this just be blank. And people could have filled in their own. But then you would have had people who were even being lazy or just at the moment weren't being uh, super creative. They couldn't think of what words to do. The only things that would come to your head would be like complete sentences that would never work. I think by him writing it in like this, it makes character creation much quicker. Yeah. And maybe by doing this, he did a strategy of what words would be good and kind of funny to play off each other. Yeah. But again, it's like that whole thing. So you start off, you know, as I know five words, somehow the smart one or the learned one knows four words. It's a whole thing. Like, but you should be able to pick your words. Even if it's just five, you should be able to pick whatever you, kind of words you want. And again, it's your imagination of what you think a caveman would know. Yeah. Some of these, I don't even think, ver let's go for example, uh, versimilitude, if I'm pronouncing that right. Not a word a caveman would ever know. Even yeah. a learned one, smart one, whatever. When I was coming up with my character create, my idea, I was like, I'm taking it. But then I only got four words and I was like, I'm not taking it. Yeah. <laughs> so this game could have had these words as an example, but they could have been like, you could also just pick any other word for one. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But this is, I'm going back to this. I'm actually happy how it's set up because 
knowing me as a DM and knowing how with other players I might pick up, maybe uh, adolescent boys, middle school boys, or whatever, if they would, if it's just one for one, they would spend their points on like dick or balls or whatever. <laughs> Something stupid like that. And then the campaign would just run to people just run around going, dick, dick, penis, penis, balls. <laughs> At least if they sacrifice two words for it, I'd be like, okay, you earned the right to say dick and balls. <laughs> That's my opinion. So for me, I think how the words were set up are flawless for me. And the verbsimilitude or however you pronounce it, I think that's just, just it's funny. just a funny, stupid thing of like all these simple words but not one. Yeah, I just... And if I don't have a problem with the words. I was. I'm just curious, in gen in general, why? Oh yeah, about why? It's just your kind this of question. Per- the, yeah, these particular words were picked. And my question for the games writer, if we can get him on the podcast, would be the one question I have is why that particular word of similitude of all the <laughs> big, hard to pronounce words. Why that one? I'm kind of curious about that. I think it's a concept that would be. I think similitude is a concept that would be interesting to cave people of like is this thing really real or not? Because I feel like cave people are learning something are learning something new constantly, so like questioning the world around them and their place with the things around them. I think it actually makes sense. I think it is a funny word, but I think like the meaning of the word actually makes sense for cave people. And like that's the whole thing with this game. You have to be very open-minded, but you can still have fun doing that. Yeah, that's kind of the cool thing is that all three of us had a different genre character. Like you had the gunslinger. Brad was like the cool guy from the like, you know, eighties like movies. Roller. Yeah. And then mine was the professor. So like none of those characters are like stereotypical cavemen. And I think that's important. Mm. Like, don't feel restricted to the fact that it's a caveman. Yeah. Like you can be whatever, but it's in this setting. So how do you react in this setting? And I was just about to ask as a final thing was, I just wanted you guys to say, how would you guys recommend people who want to jump into this game? What would be your last tip or advice in going and having fun? But you guys kind of said it, yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of just basically. And I guess maybe you guys can say one more quick bit, but you guys, based Travis and Becky especially, just said of just kind of go in and have fun with whatever you're doing and kind of roll with the punches well one more quick thing i'd like to say uh in regards to what travis just said uh, he said to keep an open mind and i feel like that could also answer some of the questions we had because like mine was are why is combat against these creatures so ineffective and are we even supposed to fight them but i mean if you are really open-minded and you've got these words and these abilities we could domesticate dogs we could create weapons and tools uh, we could create ambushes, so I feel like there are solutions that make the combat more manageable. Definitely. It's just, you know, a caveman with a stick against a T-Rex isn't supposed to win. But, um, yeah. Makes sense. And uh, just like I was going to say, last thoughts on the game, but mostly for players who, or DMs too, who might want to play it. Just expectations going forward for them. Uh, expectations, like I said, I think overall this works better as a mini very very mini campaign five sessions max and as i said before open mind change your perspective on anything at any given time you're a caveman you do not know what's coming next you might have a set idea but you're gonna go up against a giant beaver that's gonna wreck you your time it's time to run away you can't outgun him 
And probably the same thing for DM is just kind of go in, but like how you said, with players open mind to kind of just roll with it, same thing should be for the DM. You're not doing a and d adventure where it should be very structured about what you fight next and how the mystery kind of unfolds on itself. These are just keeping banging sticks against animals. Just let the people go out there and have fun and explore the world. But you can have a structure if you would like, of course. Yeah, this is not a game like D&D where you need to calculate the loot for the encounters and, and the experience rewarded per encounter and things like that. Like, this is definitely just a game that I feel like you keep loose and flexible. Like, I would say have fun with the setting. Like, have a couple ideas about, you know, and don't be don't be held down by, don't be restricted by anything in particular, you know? Like, like you said, you had a mountain region and a swamp region and a forest region, but you didn't restrict it. Mm, yeah. You also had Jurassic Park in mind, which was a cool concept because Jurassic Park in... Oh, it was a dope concept. <laughs> in Jurassic like, Park times, yeah. cool concept, but again, caveman fighting Jurassic Park creatures, they're not going to win, probably. But we somehow fenced in a megalodon. We got very lucky. Austin, we got very lucky. Austin gave us everything we needed, though. Like He told us the uh, big shiny thing or whatever the T-Rex's name was smelled like fish and that we could smell when it was nearby because it ate our village's fish supply like we could have fished made a huge pile of fish mm. put it inside a cage and then just closed it when it went in or something so i mean like us we could have beaten the t-rex we could have done pretty much anything it was up to what did we think of and mostly we thought of hit it with a stick or hit it with a rock <laughs> hit it with a stick and run away yeah and also it's a lot of our roles like Again, if we build a cage, we have to roll relatively good unless we have the building ability, which not many of us had, yep. if any of us. And it's like, if we're going to build it very well, do we really want to use it against the one and only T-Rex that's probably going to kill us once we release it? Or do we want to use it against a Megalodon that, you know, he's, he's kind of docile, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, he ate a kid, but... He did eat a kid. So then he was, he was docile before and after that. So. <laughs> he was definitely yeah. docile after What would you guys like to see next for these characters if we came back to this? Um. Okay, what I would like to see is... I don't know how familiar you are with older cartoons like the Jetsons or the Flintstones, but the Jetsons and the Flintstone, uh, Flintstones once had a crossover, uh, and you'd already mentioned a UFO crashing and fighting aliens. I would like the cave people to go into the future... Mm. and interact with people from the 21st century, the far, far future, the year uh, 2020. Oh, in COVID times? They have to but, but with the flying cars and all that stuff, that's oh. obviously in the future, the far off future year of 2020. Of course. It's not sense. the real 2020. Not the real one, like the Blade Runner 2020. <laughs> yes. Yeah, makes sense. Trust, what do you want to see next time? with these characters like where do you think we could go with these ones uh considering we never actually completed i want to see an actual jurassic park yeah that's that's also because we had uh a megalodon that was very unhappy we had a pet alligator that was kind of docile but still a dickhead and then we had like a bone skeleton of a bird or a yeah, fish or something it was a dead bird <laughs> yeah a dead bird uh so i think we actually like complete it and maybe get like maybe five exhibits yeah. Rather than two and a quarter. Yeah. Not even. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I would agree with Travis. I was actually going to say, um, I would like us to return to our Jurassic Park and maybe actually complete it successfully. Okay. I know how we can work the two ideas together. 
Uh, you know that uh, Star Trek movie where they go back in time to save the whales? Save the whales, yeah. Okay, instead, we're going to. So we're going to kill off the Megalodon or some other. No, we're going to kill Big Shiny Thing or whatever its name is, the T Rex. But of course, we need a T Rex. And maybe that's the last T Rex. So we go forward into the future to find people who can come back in time to clone it for us. Oh, yes. So it's a reverse Star Trek yes, time kind travel. Of. So reverse forward and then reverse back. Yes. Could you imagine trying to explain to the future people with our limited vocabulary what we want from them? That would be it would be fun. so this entertaining. Would be hilarious. <laughs> explain how to clone a T-Rex. Hopefully at least one of us knows the word for shiny. But I'm fucked. I'm uh <laughs> Yeah, 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 but mostly I'm just teasing. I would like to just play the crustaceous part. Oh, no, I'm super into the alien thing, though. I do like Austin's idea of the UFO crashing, even yeah. though he was like, this probably wouldn't happen. Yeah. No, this let's, is Star Trek. Let's we throw do some Trek. science fiction into this. Yeah. I'm yeah. into it. But again, I'd also, as I said before, like a leveling up ability. Where maybe, maybe we level like one word or one ability over time. Like we're not going to know them the next day, but like in a few years time. Especially if we jump to the future. Hopefully we'll learn at least one ability. Yeah, you most likely would at that point. Maybe you know what laser we should guns. Do. I like laser guns. You know what we should throw in? Laser raptors. Laser raptors, yes. <laughs> what Kung year is this? Time. It's the Viking Age. It's the Viking Age. Oh, that would explain That's... the laser raptors. <laughs> so stupid. But yeah, this was our review of Og, the caveman role-playing game. Uh, the next role-playing game we'll be playing will be Inspectors, the Ghostbusters reality TV show crossover. You basically play as disposable reality tv show characters and you guys are run some kind of ghostbusters like business you're definitely replaceable the business isn't of course you're running not only your characters but this reality tv show that's all about catching ghosts and that'll be the next role-playing game we'll be playing and then of course afterwards we would wrap up with a review and possibly interview with the game's writer i'm talking to the writer right now about aug and we might um, come back and briefly talk about this game with him in a future episode. Also, speaking of episodes, we just launched our Patreon, which is be helping us to pay for the hosting rights to have this podcast play everywhere so you can listen to it and have fun with us and listen to us stumble through these role-playing games. <laughs> um, I kept the tiers very uh, minimum because don't want to take much money out of people, but if you don't mind supporting the show, we have a lot of things to give back to you. If you love the show, it would help support us, but also give you something back. So we have three different tiers, uh, ones that give you the episodes early. So instead of waiting two or three weeks to get the entire arc, I'll be uploading them as just one complete episode so you can get the whole episode at once. No waiting a week or so to get the next episode. Also, we'll have polls so you can help vote on the next role-playing game that uh, we'll be playing. Uh, we're also the, my favorite part of it is that on our uh, Cobalt tier, you'll be getting Forever a Gnome, which is a spin-off bi-weekly podcast where myself and maybe sometimes other members of the Beer and Pretzel podcast will be playing a solo-based role-playing game because there are ones out there. Of course, traditional multiplayer role-playing games are way more popular, but there are duet role-playing games, which are for two people, and there are solo role-playing games. So Forever Unknown is going to be a podcast where I'll 
be sitting alone here in the studio, probably having some beers and just playing a game by myself and embarrassing myself. The first episode I'll most likely be doing is uh, uh, Derek, who wrote um, the mouse role-playing game where you're on a motorcycle. Yep. Uh, Thunder, heavy metal Thunder Mouse. He wrote a solo-based role-playing game that I'm going to be checking out soon where you run a tavern by yourself. So it's a tavern uh, run role-playing game, solo-based role-playing game. That'll be probably one of it. But if we get enough people to subscribe to the Patreon one, I will embarrass myself by playing the Beast Erotic Demon Fantasy uh, solo role-playing game in the future. I was uh, definitely not going to be the first one. <laughs> It'll only be if we get enough people to do it. I would also like to issue a challenge to you, Austin, and you, Travis. If enough people sign up for the Patreon, I don't know what that number is, 5, 10, 50, 100. Sure. We'll figure it out later. But if enough people sign up, I would like the two of you to play the two-player RPG Starcrossed, which is a romantic drama between two people who really, really want to, but just can't for whatever reason. <laughs> you play it with a Jenga tower. Beautiful. So erotic. So romantic. Romantic dread. Hells yeah. So what happens if the tower gets knocked over? It, I think it. it's like, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I remember watching reviews and uh, reading a little bit of the rules. I think that like, as the scene goes on, you're building romantic tension between the oh, two players. If it eventually breaks. Yep. It breaks the tension and then you kind of move on to the next scene. Makes sense. So yeah. Forever Gnome, we're going to have some fun one-shot, uh, one-play role-playing games on that. I'll be playing mostly, but some of these guys will be playing it too. And then maybe at one point, me and Travis will play, what's it called, Starcross? Lovers? Starcross is, I think, the name. I've actually heard some good things about it. Uh, some other podcasts play it just as kind of like a joke thing too. But I think it's supposed to be a good po uh, role-playing game as well. But we'll play that if we get enough people we'll set an actual goal at some point it's gonna be higher amount we're not gonna do it for nothing we're not we're not hoeing out for this <laughs> i'm trying to think of a nice way to say it but that's what i'm gonna there's say there's no nice way but yeah this is the beer and pretzel podcast follow us uh follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this on if you want to give us a review on itunes it'll help the podcast out and of course if you would like to subscribe to our patreon our lowest tier, which still gives you plenty of fun things back for supporting the show, is only $3 a month. So that's equivalent to a, a, a cup of coffee. So even if you just took out one cup of coffee out of your 30-day month, you can you know give that to us instead of Starbucks, because screw Starbucks, honestly. They're horrible <laughs> people there. But yeah, this is the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. We'll see you next time with an episode of Inspectors. This episode of the Beer and Pretzel Podcast is brought to you by Brad and the Book Garden. Just the Book Garden, really. <laughs> but, um, you are the Book Garden. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I am. Yeah, Book Garden is Central Vermont's uh, store for board games, role-playing games, magic, and other card games. We've also got a great selection of books, comics, and graphic novels. Yep, that was the advertisement for this. Next time, we'll be way more professional. We're sponsored by the Book Garden. We'll see you next time on the Beer and Pretzel Podcast.